0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
2: And I'm Derek Johnson. I am back and I am here with Nick Springer on today's episode of the show. What is so funny? (laughs) Dying laughing over there. Well, I I had the wrong mic on. But it's fine now. Unbelievable. No, it's fine. Come back. The first
3: day back. Dude, listen, there's three mics. It's sometimes it's hard to count to three.
2: Oh my gosh. You really need to figure out numbers. <laughs> Alright. Are you better with letters? Well, I was like, why can't why why is nothing coming through and then I realized the error of my ways Nick is professionally employed to do to turn on microphones He couldn't <laughs> do it RCST I, is I, I tur- I actually that's incorrect I did turn on a microphone hmm I guess not the correct the wrong one, one. Uh, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street brewery and uh, we're gonna be joined by Matt Tate of r1s1 sports.com coming up at 340 Kevin Flaherty joins us at 440. Talk a little Big 12 and KU against Oklahoma. We've got our NFL week, whatever, we're on recap. We've got a uh, college football crackdown. A lot of KU football talk on today's edition of the show as well, which is where we're going to start right here with uh, KU and Oklahoma. How much, because I to me, this game against OU represents an opportunity that if Kansas wins, a game that, yes, you are, are definitely underdogs, but a game that... You look at maybe some of the betting lines or some of the analytic models maybe expects to be closer than you might think. I know some of the betting lines have it around a 10, 11-point game. Um, I saw one analytic model today had it at like a 7 or 8-point game. I think ESPN Plus had it like in the 8 or 9-point game. Right? This is this is not one of those spreads where it's like this would shock the world if you won the game. That's certainly not the case. Teams win games where they're seven, eight, nine, ten 10-point underdogs all the time. Um, but... I think a win in this game would be the biggest win in the Lance Leipold era at Kansas, and it would be the biggest win for Kansas since winning the Orange Bowl in 2008. I mm. think this would be a monumentally gigantic victory if they can get it. So uh, let's start there. How much would a win or a loss affect Oklahoma, uh, affect your view, or affect how you think the rest of the season would go? Let's start with the positive side. So if KU wins this game, how would that affect it? What? What? You're putting the, you're, You would put this win above Texas
3: from 2021.
2: Yes, I would. Okay. A team won two games. That Texas team didn't even make it to a bowl. But game. it's it's about. The, I understand the importance. It's about the big picture. I do understand the big picture. I do understand the importance, and I do think that importance was all. Uh, it was very very important. But at the end of the day, if you still lose that game, like what do we think happens? What's the ripple effect? What's the? Uh, well, I mean, if like, okay, well, I think you have to look at it two ways. Mm-hmm. If they. If they lose against,
3: like, let's say Jared Casey drops the two point conversion, okay. if they lose that way. Yeah. The ripple effect is probably
2: very little, I think. Well, maybe it has an effect on a couple players. Who knows? Doesn't maybe Jalen Daniels. But if, you get,
3: if you get blasted.
2: Then, yeah. What if Jalen Daniels ends up not burning his red shirt over those final game or two that he started and he actually has another year now at Kansas? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, though, I, I think it would be. Uh, okay, okay, so, so how, how would it affect the way you view things? How would it affect you view the team? All that sort of stuff if they beat Oklahoma. So
3: with a win? You're going to start with a win first? Yes. All right, so you look at the Big 12, and I talked about this yesterday while you were gone, but you got OU and Texas at the top. I think K-State's in third. Oklahoma State's in fourth. KU is fifth, I think. That's probably the top five in the Big 12 right now. I think that's safe to say. But the gap between Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, I think previously we were saying that there was kind of a, a significant gap there. I don't know if that gap is very significant anymore based off the results of this past week. I don't know how much you maybe want to throw away the Oklahoma and Texas games against... Yeah, I, I think Houston, it is still but.
2: significant. I think that was less about these teams are close to those. I think it was more about those top two teams had down weeks.
3: Okay, that's fine. Which that's is going to happen in college but football. You, I think still that top five is pretty fair. Oklahoma sure. Oklahoma State, I think now you, have, you have to put them there. I mean, just you have to. Uh, plus Kansas State, plus Kansas. So uh, a win for Kansas would certainly propel them even higher, and probably put them back i guess in the discussion for the Big 12 title i don't know maybe not i mean you look at all, you look at Oklahoma state's schedule cakewalk you look at texas's schedule cakewalk besides k state and i just i, I don't know I, I mean i don't know even if ku wins are you saying that they're going to contend are you saying that they're going to go to the Big 12 title game at that point
2: i don't think you are i don't think you're saying they're going to go but i think you're saying the path is alive I see the path. Well, the path is win every game the rest of the season. I know, but like if you win that game, I, I guess that's where it is to me. If you beat Oklahoma, you feel like you should almost win every game the rest of the season because Oklahoma is the best team you have to play left, right? Yeah, true. You should at least go yeah. 3 and 1.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you go
2: 9 and 3 with a win over Oklahoma, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I don't know if that's good enough to make the Billsville title game. Probably not because OU or. You know, Texas, you'd need a bunch more losses. And Oklahoma State's there. I guess you would probably knock out Kansas State at that point if you beat mm-hmm. them at
3: home. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, I I think a win here would be very monumental. The significance of it would be the fact that this is the last time you're going to play OU in mm-hmm. conference play, obviously, and the first last time you're going to play them in probably a while. You haven't beaten them since 1997.
2: You haven't beaten them since since I've been alive. Mm. <laughs>
3: And and that's that to think about.
2: There's something about a win like this elevates you as a program. Right now, Kansas is at that point where we feel like they're a comfortable bowl team, you know, just as a program, like where you are each and every year, just typically. At this point, where Lance Leibold's gotten the program, that's how I feel like where they are. I know it's a short term. I'm not saying the history says that. I'm saying that's where I feel like the tier of program they're at right now, okay? Sure. You win this game, to me, it feels like you're taking another step up. To me, it feels like you're taking the step from being a solid team who's somewhere in the middle to being a team who can legitimately be at the top of the conference.
3: I, yeah, I actually think a win like this would have a greater impact for KU, maybe not necessarily this season, but in the following seasons. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about it. Oklahoma and Texas, when they leave, there is going to be a vacuum, a power vacuum in the conference. And it's it's going to be up for grabs in the, in the Big 12. Especially, on, especially in football, it seemed like Oklahoma State was the team most poised to possibly fill that gap. But I, I don't know. Gundy, Gundy hates the NIL and <laughs> the transfer portal, so maybe, maybe pump the brakes in Oklahoma State a little bit. Yeah, you got Kansas State there, but I, I don't know. I mean, is Kansas State really going to become that top, perennial top fifteen program in the country? I don't want them to. <laughs> I hope they don't. And then you got Kansas, up and coming. You know, obviously they've got the pedigree from an athletic department standpoint, from with the success of their of their basketball program and whatnot. Because I mean, Baylor stinks. The Texas Tech stinks. They're supposed to be their year. They stink. TCU, flash in the pan. They stink. So why not Kansas? And I think Travis Goff has, has echoed that sentiment of why not Kansas. If you beat Oklahoma, I think now the sentiment of why not Kansas becomes much stronger, and you start looking towards the future and saying, okay. Now, this this program, this this football team, under Lance Leipold, is poised to be that program. Mm-hmm. It's poised to be the cream of the crop, potentially, going forward. That would be my
2: takeaway if you beat Oklahoma. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, eventually, if you want... But, aren't... I mean, does it really change that much for this season? I think it does. Well, okay, for, from your standpoint, you've talked about that you don't really view a difference in whether you win six or eight games or, or whatever in the pool. I think... I, I do view a difference, um, because I think there's a chance if you finish season ranked, I, I think that can do a lot of things in recruiting. Um, I think the difference in what bowl game you do make is there. You know, like I I look at the Alamo Bowl versus the Holiday Bowl versus the Idaho Potato Bowl. There is a difference in the way you if view. If they those, win, right? who cares? If they win their bowl game. Who cares? Well, I'm not going to care. You're right in the standpoint of yes. No matter what bowl they win, you will be happy, and who cares? But wouldn't you rather win the better bowl game than the lesser bowl game? I'll just remember it as they won. Okay. Um, but it's it's to me it's it's like to take the next step as a program. Eventually, you have to go from if you want to go from oh, say yeah. average being good, like you have to start beating good teams, right? If you want to go from good to great, you should have to start beating great teams, and this is an opportunity to do that. Doesn't mean you'll do it, but it's an opportunity to do that. Oh, for sure. And I think there's something too about the momentum a game like this could possibly give you. You know, when you look back to K State last year, who won the Big T- Big Twelve, I think their win in like if you remember they were what three and two early in the season, they lost to Tulane. I don't know if that was that yeah. their only loss. Um, <clears throat> but there's some kind of questions last year about K State. They beat Oklahoma and Norman, and then they go on. They only lose to TCU the rest of the way, right? And then they win the Big Twelve championship. There's something to be said if you win a game like this about the confidence it provides you and the springboard of oh, yeah. energy it can lead to you the rest of the season. Yeah, so, I mean, there's no question that that
3: would mm-hmm. really, really benefit this team going forward significantly. I think that's Both what it is. This
2: would—everything that I have felt that Lance Leipold has done for this program and is building them in the right way and that I have felt they're taking the right steps forward, this would be the almost vindication, might be the best way of putting it. So you're this, saying—
3: The Texas game in 2021, that was like the start. Yes. Then you go to the last season and, you know, you have some big wins then. But then this season is the vindication of, okay, now this is the expectation Mm -hmm. of, you know, competing at the top of the Big 12.
2: Right. I'm trying to think. Have they beaten a a ranked team? This season? No, just at all. Oh. Right? Right. I mean, uh, let's see. Oklahoma State wasn't ranked, were they last year when they, they beat were? Ranked. Them? They might have been. Okay, they were ranked. So they have been ranked. They team. were ranked. Well, yeah, I mean, that, they were ranked, but obviously that's they had the next thing I'm missing, entry. right? I mean, when you're a okay, when you're that fringe again, if I make a comparison to Kansas State, Kansas State is to a point where they're not year in year out a top five, top ten team right now, but they're consistently a top twenty five team. And you, and you know what you have to do, you don't have to beat a top ten opponent every year. Every now and then, steal one, you know, pull it up. Sure. Yeah. That's what takes you to that next level as a program. And so I know it's still so early on in the Lance Leipold era. It is. They're still going to have plenty more chances to win games like this. Um, but the longer you go and the more if you continue to build up seasons where you go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five every year, it's cool right now. If we're looking five years from now, and every one of the five years, Kansas goes exactly six and six, seven and five. Eventually, you're going to be like, all right, when are, we, when, when are we finally taking the next step? Well, no, you know,
3: I, I said that. I mean, if you're going to make a bowl game every year, you need to win one eventually, right? If you're going to be that team, you got to eventually incrementally, you know, and this is, where, this is where the success of last season for KU has almost kind of skewed the perception mm-hmm. of building the program, right? Because... Think about it. If last season KU goes four and eight, and now they're doing this this season, I mean, we'd be over the moon. We'd be going crazy. Sure. But instead, you're exactly right now where you right now where you are where you were last season. So it doesn't feel maybe as incredible. A little more linear. And yeah, that that brings me to the next much,
2: part of this. You know, if they do lose, how do you feel about it? Well, okay. On on one hand, you could say, why would I feel bad at all? They'd be five and three. All three of the losses would at that point come to you know the top teams in the Big 12 with Texas, Oklahoma, and, and Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean two top, two yeah. top 10 teams, uh, and Oklahoma State probably mm-hmm.
3: in the top 25. You
2: might have taken five and three through the first eight games coming into the air, given you know some of the I, schedule questions. I think I did. Okay, so like in a, you could almost be like, eh, "What's the big deal if how's, they lose the game?" How's money? I would. I guess I don't know. There's something about it to me that. Because I've been hyping up the idea that I think this team is better than last year, because I think this team has taken a step forward, because I've taken the over on the win total, Th- there would be something a little bit annoying for me that if they lose to Oklahoma, they would have the same record through eight games that they had last year.
3: If you recall, Lance Leipold, I think in the preseason, specifically addressed this fact.
2: It was after they were 4 0. Yeah. yeah. And he said,
3: or yeah, that's when it was. Yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, this team might be like, better than last year's team mm-hmm. by quite a bit. But the record might not reflect that. And that could end up happening, right? I mean, you could be 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five at the end of the season with a team that you feel like is a lot better. Now, obviously, that you also have to factor in the fact that your Big 12 offensive player of the year starting quarterback has been out for now over half the season. Mm-hmm. And who knows how many more games he's going to play the rest of the season at this point. Uh, which, by the way, <laughs> if you want to get into that for a second... I thought it was kind of funny that yesterday Lance Leipold, he said that he was optimistic about Jalen Daniels and in the same sentence said that
2: he was doubtful. <laughs> if you're if you're optimistic, would you say you would you say somebody's doubtful? No. I don't think so. When I think of it, because when I see like doubtful on NFL injury designations, how how often do doubtful guys play? Like one exactly. percent? If you are doubtful, you're out. Yeah. Like what are we doing? Whereas questionable is like fifty percent. There's a big gap I, there. Did
3: I ever tell you have I ever given you the rants about fantasy football and how this drove me insane? No. So, dude. The uh, the NFL they used to have probable as a yeah. you know as as an injury designation they got rid of that okay a while back I don't know why to where now the, the injury designations are healthy questionable or you know doubtful out whatever right well that drives me insane because in the NFL guys will constantly they'll like miss a practice during the week or whatever mm-hmm. and they'll be on the injury report with like one missed practice for the whole week so they're like they are totally fine. They just missed one practice, and I go to check my fantasy football lineup, and I see questionable, questionable, questionable for all these dudes, and I'm like, what is going on? And they're all fine. Drives me insane. I hate it. It's so annoying.
2: It's so annoying. Well... Yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about the Jalen Daniels stuff later in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. But yeah, I guess like that goes back no, in line, though. Sidetrack no, 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 you're fine. That goes back <laughs> in line with the idea of, oh, it wouldn't be that big of a deal if they lose the game uh, because, it's yeah, you have Jason Bean in there. And maybe um, to the point of how many games Jason May, Bean has had to start and will probably have to continue to start, I don't know, question mark there, uh, it does and, and should affect your preseason projections. Like, we both had him going. What you had eight and four. I had seven and five in the preseason. I think I had seven and or did you have two. seven and five two? I think about that. That was five. under the guys that we maybe neither one of us expected Jalen to be healthy for all twelve games because that sure. might not have been a great bet. But we certainly thought it would be more than it's been so or, far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so maybe maybe that makes it fine. I I guess I don't know. I, I don't think it's a huge deal, but it's it's just like to me, if you if you win this game, the last four games against Iowa State, Texas Tech. Uh, and Cincinnati specifically, and then yeah. I, I saved the K-State, K-State one because that's a different can, conversation. Yeah, you can set it aside. But those other three games I view as like, oh, you beat Oklahoma, you should beat those teams.
3: I agree. Well, I agree with the Cincinnati and the Texas Tech one.
2: I still – You're still – yeah, that's I'm, fine. I'm on the fence about Iowa State. That's fine. But if you lose to Oklahoma, it's like, what have you proven? And you're 5-3, and three, and now you could start talking yourself into, oh, but they could lose at Ames. Oh, and then you have Texas I think Tech. I they probably would lose and then you have Kansas State, and then that's it. Like you can Texas start talking Tex- yourself into how it ends up at five and seven Dude, or six and six. Texas Tech stinks. They will beat Texas. <laughs> okay, but even so, that. I mean, like, book bookmark it. copy it. You Save can it. start talking yourself AU into how they could lose every game. Will beat. I Texas think that's what this Oklahoma game does. It eliminates doubt. It eliminates doubt. It eliminates any question about are they really better? You know, because I'm looking at. Well, I mean, you circle back to
3: the narrative from last season where they yeah. started five and zero, oh, and then you know they're five and three, and it's like.
2: Are you going to make a bowl? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's the thing. And, like, I look at some of the metrics, whether it's ESPN, plus or college football graphs, or some of the EPA per play success rate stuff. Objectively, their rankings are better than they were last year. And I think the team's better. Yeah. I I think they look better. I think, But part of the problem is because the schedule's tougher this year than it was last year. I guess maybe. I I don't know how much tougher, but it is. Um, Maybe the record ends up being the same. Maybe because of the Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean stuff, it ends up being the same. I don't know. I just... I think a game like this would eliminate any doubt to be like, yes, they are for sure better. And I think what's interesting, too, is we've heard this before from Lance Leipold. That so even if they don't win,
3: yeah. do you think you could say that you walk in on Monday and say they are still for sure better than last That's
2: year? the thing. I don't know. Like, Can you have a moral loss in this game? Lance Leipold said before. He said it in year one. They're not into the moral victories. No moral games. victories. Right? They're not into it. And I get that, and I'm well, actually listen, all cool with that from I, the coaching I standpoint. I kind of like moral victories. From our standpoint, I think from a fan standpoint, there are moral victories. There just are. Yeah. Can you have one, though, in this game? Have we gotten to a point where, like, if if because you you losing to Tech, I, I guess this way I view it. If you would have beaten Oklahoma State, whatever, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I think you could have had a moral victory in this one, losing by three or seven points or something. Probably because you lost to Oklahoma State, I think you've almost lost that ability. Now there is a there is a gray area between having a moral victory on a loss and having a horrible performance. Like Kansas could lose by ten, and it's not a moral victory, but it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just sure. somewhere in between. It's just it just what happened. It's you, fine. You just weren't the better team, right? So there there is the gray area there, but I kind of think you can't have a moral victory in this game. I think it's either you win or you lose. I know that sounded really stupid and basic, but it's it's either you win and that's the moral victory, or you lose and you don't. I don't think there is a teaching tool in this if one of losing. If you win with Jason Bean, what does that do? Got to rocket up the confidence in Jason Bean. Yeah. And in KU. I mean, you've almost beat Oklahoma twice with Jason Bean. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the last year, Jason Bean was not the reason why you lost. No, it wasn't. I mean, he had, he had a couple bad interceptions, but it wasn't. You know, it sure. wasn't like
3: the defense was... If you
2: anything. said they put up 42 against OU this year, you should feel great about it. OU's defense is much better this year. And that's yeah. what they did last year. First in the conference, by the way. Yeah. And one of the interceptions wasn't really Bean's fault. It was just OU. No, it wasn't. I made a great same play. play. The other one was definitely his fault. <laughs> guy made uh, but a great play, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk more KU football throughout the show. Matt Tate's going to join us in 15 minutes. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. And it's that time to be joined by Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com. Matt, thanks for hopping on here. KU comes off a bye week and gets ready to take on Oklahoma on football in homecoming on Saturday against the Sooners how important do you think this bye was to come this specific week with the combination of injuries and who they're preparing for like was this was this about as perfect a time as as it could have been for KU to have a
0: bye? Yes, for sure. Hold that hold that question though cuz I have breaking news for mm. you. KU is actually winning this game already. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Earlier today I did a, a an Oklahoma Radio show to preview this game, and I love doing them. Um, I've got like three more scheduled this week because OU's how dare how hell dare you cheat on us? Team.
2: How dare you? I'm just joking. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> but here's where KU picked up the early lead. Okay. <laughs> when I was introduced on that show, and I won't name it, but mm. when I was introduced on that show, I was introduced of, as Matt Tate of R1S1 dot com Sports. Hmm. And so I don't think this is just like an early field goal. I, I think it's like <laughs> KU scored a touchdown, and then Oklahoma fumbled the ensuing kickoff, and KU returned it, and they're up 14, nothing because what is r1 s1 dot com sports like yeah,
2: is that a new I, like you know dot gov dot maybe they're starting a new website brand for anything sports related it's dot-com sports
0: right. should, should we i mean just go ahead and say the backslash if <laughs> right. you want to i mean you know so www anyway
2: yeah.
0: it was it was a harmless mistake but when you said it so eloquently i was like hey this is this has <laughs> got to be mentioned so anyway back to your question um y- yeah i mean you know it's i think with bye weeks you always hear um from coaches and players that that they come at the right time right and mm-hmm. very rarely maybe in the nfl because it's more of a business and all that but very rarely will you hear you know oh yeah we just it's just a little too early or it was just a <laughs> little too late sometimes you do hear that but even when a team has a week four or week five bye week in the nfl you know they still spin it that way and and so much of it is is Dependent on how your team's playing and all of that, but for Kansas, this is this is truly perfect because they have an opportunity to get healthy. Um, they have an opportunity to kind of break in the middle of that schedule, right? I mean, they still have you know they're they're a little past the halfway point, but but I do like that you know they 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 really know who they are. Let me let me just say that, right? They really know who they are, and so with this bye week, they could actually. Use it not to search for who they are, but to fine tune who they are. So, when you combine the fact that they got some rest and some and some, you know, bodies a little healthier and things like that, with that that idea that they got to really look at themselves and and just tweak small things about what they do and who they are, I, I think I think it was the perfect time. And and I also think it's the perfect time because it is right before a, a game of this magnitude against a a top ten team. Kansas has turned the corner in a lot of ways the last two years, but they haven't won a game like this. And and you know, an extra week to prepare for Oklahoma and and scout, and and not only that, but you got to see them play a team like UCF that you just beat. Um, man, I, you know, there's there's a lot of things that stacked up really favorably for KU. So. Um, None of it will matter once the ball is kicked off and none of it will matter um, when guys are trying to open holes and run through them, but I think at least as we talk about it and preview it, it looks like a really, really good time.
2: We were talking at the beginning of the show and we were going back to something Lance Leipold said after the 4-0 and start to the season in that you know they were kind of comparing this year to to last year and he brought up the idea that, well, we'll see where we are after you know the next set of games, or after the eight game mark, or whatever, um, because last year obviously after you know starting five and zero, they they got to five and three, and if KU loses this game, as they're being projected to do, even though it's not you know an overly big spread or anything, uh, they will drop them to five and three, which obviously losing in a vacuum to OU not a big deal. They're they're ranked six in the country, but if you if you look at it and go, oh, they're five and three for the second straight year, when I certainly view this team to be better than it was a season ago. Would that feel wrong? I guess to a certain standpoint. Like, what I guess would be would be your confidence if they do lose on Saturday that they still will finish with a better record than they did a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's a great question because um, you know they certainly have winnable games left on the schedule. And to your point, you know losing to OU, nobody's going to shame them for that. But um, I, you know, I, I'm not in their heads. I'm not. I'm not on that team, obviously. But I would have a hard time getting past. The loss at Oklahoma State. If I were them, and so maybe that was a good part of the bye week too, because it, it gave them some distance from football. I mean that that was a that was a tough one to let go. Um, they should have won that game, and and if you're six and one, everything's different, right? Your rank still. Um, this game is a. Huge game! All of a sudden in the Big Twelve standings, it's a national, you know, game of the week. It already has big noon kickoff coming to town, but that, this thing would have been hyped up so much more if they had won that Oklahoma State game. So, you know, they've moved on, I'm sure. Um, but it does, it does. I bring it up because it does point to your to your question. I mean, at that point, had they gotten that victory, well, you could drop this one and still come out of it six and two, and then. You know, there's 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 very little difference between five and three and six and two, but I do wonder if the psyche of it and just that mindset of man, we got to five in our last year and we were and then we started slipping and going backwards and and then yeah, five and three, it's a good record, but doggone it, you know, we're better than that, and you know, I I just wonder what the mental impact of that is on on the players in their minds. My best guess is is it'll be very little. Um, this coaching staff and these players are very mentally strong. They, they seem to have really dialed into the idea of, of just keep moving. Um, and I think that really came from the first year. You know, the the record wasn't great there uh, in year one under lightfold but they, they did really show some resolve in that year. And they really showed the ability to just flush the, the previous week, no matter what happened, the good, the bad, all of it. And, and just move forward. And, that's how they've turned this corner. That's how they've built this thing, and that's how they continue to progress. Um, and and so I, I don't know that no matter what happens in this game, just as was the case against Oklahoma State, uh, there were some long faces down in Stillwater. Um, I, you know, body language, disappointment—no question about it. I, you know, I, I I hadn't seen that in a while around the Kansas football team, and um, but but I'm sure you know they moved on. The next day right they just they this coaching staff has as much as anything kind of helped teach and and show these guys the importance of what that can bring and can do to a football team and you can't you know you hear the cliche all the time of you can't let one loss become two and all that stuff but um these guys do that better than anybody um they 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 really do and uh I, i think that that's probably the reason that i don't know that i would be that panicked about well five and three doesn't sound as great as as it could when you know when you know you were sitting there at five and one and had a chance to go six and one so I, you know it'll be interesting but but i i'd answer your question I, i'd still be pretty confident that they're going to have a better record than than last year even if that means they only get to seven instead of well i guess that what were they six and seven last year right mm-hmm. so they'd have to get to seven and and they'd have or four, four more cracks to, to get to, five if they make a bowl game. So, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd give it a fair fair bit of confidence that that can happen still, no matter what happens on Saturday.
2: We're talking with Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. KU Basketball has their first exhibition game on Sunday against Illinois at 5 o'clock. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because if, if you were to say Kansas loses this game, I think there's going to be... An interesting reaction, both locally and nationally, like, are we sure this is the number one team? When in reality, if Kansas loses, I mean, take out of the fact that it's an exhibition game and it's the first game of the year. But in reality, if KU loses to a random Big 12 school who's ranked in the top 25 on the road during the course of the season, it'll be like, okay, well, it happens. Um, But what do you you think the reaction would be if Kansas does lose in in their first exhibition game because it is not just a secret scrimmage that it is going to actually be televised?
0: I think I think nationally, it would probably be a little bit more of an eye opener. Like, eh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some good teams out there. There's some other really good teams, and I think locally fans would probably be easy to just say, "As oh, exhibition, we didn't even see it." You know, it's not going to be on. Like, I think that's what what usually makes those things worse, right? Like the, the idea of you had to sit there and root for your team and watch them lose and it's disappointing and you built your whole day around it and all that. So absent that for Kansas fans, I don't, I don't know. I think they'd be quick to just say, yeah, it was an exhibition game for charity. It, nobody cares, you know, and, and then just move forward. But I, I think because there's so much strength in college basketball right now, I think the national um, and I would call it a blip, you know, I think it would last about 30 minutes. I don't think it would be a, three-day cycle or anything like that. I, but I think the, the, the initial reaction would probably be, man, I don't know, maybe Duke's the number one team or whatever. But it's also, you know, I, I think Illinois is a pretty good basketball team. That's the other thing. I, I, You know, we don't know. We don't know if anybody's any good yet right now. But I don't think Illinois is devoid of talent. I think they're obviously well coached. Um, Underwood knows self very well and and is going to have – his team as prepared as you can be in an exhibition setting like this for what Kansas tries to do and does do. So, you know, I, I think when you, when you combine all those factors with the idea that there's bound to be a little rust and just a little of that early season, uh, you know, grime that you have to kind of shake off and work through and, and it is a new team and, um, they're they're playing together for the first time, you know, if you don't count Puerto Rico, all those things kind of factor into it. And and so I, I don't think anybody's expecting it to be just the purest, prettiest form of basketball. But I do think that that, you know, Kansas is loaded and I think that Kansas could go up there and not play their best basketball and still win. So um the reaction would be very interesting. But my my guess is nationally, locally, good, bad, whatever um my guess is it would last very very a very short period of time and and then everybody will move on and, and get ready for the 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 games that actually matter and count
2: yeah and then it'll be a medium question in rcst trivia who did kansas lose during their exhibition game before getting a one seed or something in the NCAA? there you
0: go there you go and who was the coach so yeah you know a little follow-up i know you're always looking for questions so now you got two for one there
2: yeah there we go uh what are you most going to be keeping a, a keen eye on uh, on Sunday? Like, what is the one thing you actually are going to be kind of watching for um, that maybe you will be able to to take some things away from outside of just, you know, the the result of the game?
0: Yeah, great question. I think K.J. Adams is always one for me because, you know, we know what K.J.'s been in the, in each of the past two seasons in the role he played on those teams. But I think his role is different this year. Um and and dramatically so maybe right like last year he was the five a lot and he's not the five anymore and what glimpses i've seen of him whether it's his jump shot that showed up a little bit in puerto rico that i know he's worked his tail off on um or some you know just basic ball handling stuff that looks a lot more natural to him right now or for him right now i mean i I think this is a, a more perimeter oriented guy than than people know And, um, having said that, he still has the frame, the athleticism, the strength, all of that to be a a guy that can go down low and, and mix it up and defend and play with Hunter Dickinson and, and all those things that we did see in Puerto Rico with those two throwing lobs to each other and all that. So I am super excited to see as early as we can how how often and how quickly we get to see what what KJ's role really is on this team. Because, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people would probably point to that fifth starting spot and, and how does that play out in this game and all that. And, you, sure, I'll keep an eye on that, too. That sounds exciting and interesting and all that. But, you know, one game's not going to make the decision. Um, and beyond that, even if it does, all three of those guys kind of vying for that spot with Furphy, with El Marco Jackson, and Nick Timberlake they're all going to play a ton of minutes. And so I don't know that that's that exciting to me because they're all going to be out there. Um, but, but the KJ thing, I think, I think, you know, he continues to be just this kind of X factor for KU. And I think that his fit around the pieces that they have in that starting five right now, um, to be honest, I mean, like credit to him for for playing like a monster and doing everything he could to be a very, very good five for Kansas when they needed him and didn't have another one. But this, what I expect his role will be this year, what I think it's going to be, what what they want it to be, what he wants it to be, this is more of his true position, the true essence of who he is as a player and what, what comes natural to him. So, I, you know, whether that shows up in the first couple weeks of the season and it just looks effortless and, and just natural as hell and, hey, yep, there he is, or if it takes him some time and them some time to kind of showcase that and, and, and let it all fall into place. Either way, I'm, I'm excited to watch it happen because uh, the kid is so competitive, he's so driven, he's so talented, and he's also so unselfish that I, I just I can't wait to see if this truly is finally the fit that, that really does kind of um, highlight and showcase the best parts of his game.
2: Okay, what do you what do you think is more likely, that Johnny Furphy starts at the shooting guard spot on Sunday or that Jalen Daniels starts at quarterback?
0: I would say Furphy. Um, I think there's a lot of people that think that Lance is being cagey with his Jalen talk um, from the other day, and, and that's fine. Coaches do that. Football coaches especially do that. So um, I don't think anybody's crazy for thinking that, but I don't think he's playing. Um, and... I would be pretty surprised if he does. I think it'd probably be best suited for Kansas fans to kind of take that same approach and maybe just expect Jason being the starter. And if Jalen comes back at all um, for multiple games or parts of games or in a couple of weeks or in several weeks, whatever it ends up being, that's great. That's a bonus. That's exciting. That's gravy. Take it and be happy about it. But you know, right now I, I just think this team's, in a pretty good spot and pretty comfortable with being somebody that, that Oklahoma show asked me kind of that same question. Um, they didn't ask it as well as you did, but they did ask it. And um, you know, they they basically said, Hey, you think these guys are starting to rally around Jason Bean and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think that, I think that was what was required last year when Jalen was out. And I think this team had a hard time doing it. I, and I know we talked about it and I wrote about it and lots of people did. This, the, the 2022 team, when Jalen wasn't on the field or in uniform or healthy, they just looked different. They were missing something. And while there's still something missing when you take his skill set and, and hit the nuances of what make him different than Jason Bean, you know, there's still something missing there, but I think it's a credit to the rest of the roster um, that is a year older, wiser, more experienced, more confident in themselves. That this year, when when Daniels has been out, there's been no rallying needed. They just okay, let's go, and it's next man up, and and they just get to work. And you know maybe that was because it was set. The tone was set in week one when they had to do that, um, or or maybe again it's just that maturity and that that experience factor, and they're just they're, they're just not surprised by it. They're like we've done this before. Okay, let's keep going. You know it's not it's not as jarring as it might have been last year. So. I don't think there's any rallying to be done around Jason Bean. I think this is a football team that knows who it is. And I think they're real confident in who they are. And, and they believe just like Kodo Mickey says all the time, when we ask him if he calls a different game and changes up the offense between the two quarterbacks or whichever running backs in the game or whatever, no, same football team, same offense, same football team, go out and execute. And so I, I think that that's a real advantage that this team has over last year's team, because I do think that was a, a, a real disadvantageous thing that happened last year and, and it really rattled them a little bit and and I I don't think we're seeing signs of that yet. You know, do they miss parts of Jalen Daniels? For sure. Um but is it easier to adjust because they've done it before? I absolutely think it is.
2: He's Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com. Uh, what can people check out online, including your uh, story on Armaj Reed Adams and why a dude from Texas is carrying the Kansas flag when they exit the tunnel?
0: Yeah, that was fun. I, I liked that one. I saw that a couple games into the season. I've been waiting to write that one. Um, pretty cool story. It, 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 he's a fantastic dude, and he's from DeSoto, Texas. But, man, he loves, loves Kansas, loves KU, loves Kansas, and it, it's a fun story. You should definitely check that out. Uh, obviously, some some Big 12 Media Day stuff still there. Hunter Dickinson, a little bit about the fifth starter, a, a lot on the women's team, which I think, as we talked about last week, is equally as exciting in a lot of ways. And then, of course, they have men and women's KU Media Day tomorrow, so I'll have all kinds of stuff from that. And I, I know I say this every week, but, man, don't forget about that volleyball team. You don't. I know that, but it's a really good – Good freaking team and they are 14th in the country and they have four games at home coming up against West Virginia two this week and then K State two the following week. And, um, you know, that's their chance to kind of really get on a roll and, and, and then take that into the, the home stretch. So, um, I love covering that team, uh, great group of girls. Coach Bessard's amazing. Um, and I, and I just love the sport and the way they play. So, um, we've got all kinds of volleyball stuff up. That's, that's always a part of this site and what we do and, and i love doing it so lots of stuff there lots of stuff to come and um yeah it's a good time of year man there's plenty of content that's for sure
2: all right he's matt tate r1s1sports.com thanks again for the time man
0: all right you guys thanks a lot we'll talk to you next week
2: all right matt tate r1s1sports.com one hour down two to go with nick springer i'm Derek johnson you're listening to rock Shock sports talk nfl week uh, seven question mark recap next Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, and with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have Kevin Flaherty join the show at 440 here, talk a little more KU and Big 12 football, and we have our college football crackdown coming up momentarily. More KU football talk coming up in the five o'clock hour, too, here on this edition of RCST. Uh, You heard Matt talk about that tomorrow is KU Women's and Men's Basketball Media Day, so we're going to have a bunch of audio between, because we also are going to hear from the coordinators and KU football players tomorrow, Uh, so we're going to have a ton of audio through the rest of the week, starting tomorrow between KU football, KU football players, some of the coaches, KU women's basketball, KU men's basketball, so that'll be a lot of fun to uh, bring you that stuff here on the show. All right, week seven, in the books, after last night, the Minnesota Vikings upset the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. Let's go primetime, Kirk! Yeah, primetime, Kirk. And, uh, by the way, Brock Purdy, is is it starting to is the hey, Was Mike Florio right? Brock Turdy? What did he say? Is that what he said? Yeah, you you know you didn't you ever saw that? No, clip? I didn't see this.
3: No, he basically Mike Florio was like his argument for why he thought Brock Purdy was gonna be not very good is because his last name rhymed, rhymed with Turdy. <laughs> okay. He actually said that.
2: That is uh interesting. Um he did look like Brock Turdy last night. <laughs> he did. He had two bad interceptions, including the one that uh on the last drive for the 49ers that, that they ended up losing the game. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's turning into the pumpkin. Maybe that's Could happening. Be. Could be. Okay. Uh, week 7 recap. What is your biggest surprise?
3: Dude, honestly, Boki primetime Kirk might be the biggest surprise. I mean, this dude stinks in primetime. He always loses. No Justin Jefferson. Hawkinson gets hurt. Addison gets hurt. And Kirk says, I don't care.
2: Takes the team on his back.
3: Yeah, that or also uh, Tyson Bajit, the starting quarterback for the Bears, replacing Justin Fields. Who is this
2: guy? I, is he I better know. than Justin Fields?
3: I don't know who he Should is. Should they
2: be starting him long-term? I have no idea. I don't know who this guy is. But would you be starting him long-term? No. You would not? No. Not over Justin Fields? Played the Raiders. Okay. Chill.
3: <laughs> but they did smash the Raiders. They did. I mean, dude, talk about teams that
2: stink. They're three and 4 somehow. The, the Raiders. Raiders are. The Raiders are, Yeah. How, how have they won three games? That's my biggest question.
3: I don't know. They run, they're not going to win three games the rest of the season, I don't think.
2: <laughs> eh, that's a good question. Would you take the over or under on that? On um, the Raiders winning three games? Yeah. They're, they're, no. they still get to play the Broncos again. But they have to play the Chiefs twice. still have to play the Chargers maybe twice. Two L's. <laughs> four L's. Okay. Just getting there. There you go. My biggest surprise is that uh, Terod Taylor has made the Giants look decent. Yeah, that's bad for the Giants, though. Bad because you paid Daniel Jones a million dollars. Yeah, Terod no. Taylor has been good. I've always thought Terod Taylor was a decent quarterback. I mean, yeah. No, he think took about it. the if Bills in the, the playoffs.
3: If the Chargers coaching staff doesn't stab him in the lung, yeah. like he might have ended up having a, a good career. He might have. He really might have. Maybe not this is his ha- Not that he, not that he still hasn't had a decent career, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah,
2: it's always felt like to me Terod Taylor is closer to Derek Carr than you might think.
3: Yes, agree. But he's always been the bridesmaid, never the bride.
2: He has been sad. No, maybe this is the timing. Mean, so far through two games, which but, okay, what do you do if you're the Giants? You just, I don't you know. Starting Taylor. I don't know. It's so hard to bend someone. He's completed sixty six percent of his passes. Five seventy one, two touchdowns, no interceptions.
3: Yeah, he's 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 solid.
2: He's, They're he's one and one, and they probably should be two and zero against the Bills in in Washington, which. The Bills might have some more warts than we think, but still, it's a, it, Bills is still at least a good football team, even yeah. if they're not top-tier Super Bowl contender anymore. Maybe maybe they still are, and they'll bounce back. I don't know. Uh, but the Washington's fine. So, like, I don't know. Tyrod Taylor's pretty good. I, yeah. I think you should be the starting quarterback. And, yeah, you just deal with it with Daniel Jones, I guess.
3: Should the Jets trade for Tyrod Taylor?
2: Mm, they actually play each other this week, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they should. That'd be wild. Either that or the Bajan Robinson stuff. That was just weird.
3: Did you see all that? That, that was happened? weird. Yeah. Was it like where it was like he like said he had a headache and
2: then it wasn't feeling he well? Like, they he got they benched him and then For the whole game until their last offensive snap. They let him do a three yard run and get bashed his brains in, and then they kicked the game winning field goal. So know. like either, I, know, I that's where that's where you weird me out with this. It's like, okay, he wasn't feeling well, then why did he play the last play of the game? Man, I don't know. And if he was good enough to play, why did he only play the last play of the game? I, I don't know. I think Arthur Smith is being
3: shown to be a bit of a interesting.
2: I think he's guy. a fine head coach. Like he's made the Falcons are decent, and like the Falcons the last couple of years, even when they weren't very talented, were at least like well, okay. Competitive. I'll put the brakes on that because they're decent in the NFC South.
3: That's totally okay? fair. that's fair. The team with you and me on it could be decent in the NFC South.
2: I just don't know why he doesn't use his good players. <laughs> you know, like they started using Pitt's. I guess, a little. It's going yeah. off and on. Yeah. Okay, what is your uh, biggest disappointment?
3: Biggest disappointment, honestly, maybe the Niners, man. I mean, what are you doing, Niners? Come on. You're supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team, and you lose on the road against the Vikings in primetime against primetime Kirk? Bad. Really, really bad. I mean, that's a terrible loss for the Niners. I honestly believe it's a terrible loss for the Niners. Okay. It's kind of a bad win for the Vikings. They're trying to tank, or they should mm. be tanking. Not anymore? I don't know. Now they're what, three and four? They're still two games back. Dude, they're alive. They can make it a wild card. That's what drives me insane about the Lions, man. The Lions get absolutely blasted. I mean, just just completely annihilated. And they still have a two-game lead over everybody else in their division because the rest of the NFC North sucks.
2: Do the Vikings still have a shot at at a wild card? Let's see. I mean... uh... Eagles, Lions, um, 49ers, whoever. Uh, Seattle, Dallas feel like two wildcard teams, but who's the third yeah. wild card in the NFC? Mm, Rams? I don't know. The Bucs? No. Commanders? No. The There's Saints? There's no chance
3: the NFC South is getting two teams into the playoffs. There's no chance.
2: I'm looking right now at the standings. Buccaneers right now are the seventh seed. <laughs> okay, well, that's not going to hold up. Okay, because the Vikings. See? Maybe, they're back. maybe.
3: I don't know. They're back. <clears throat> maybe the Vikings are better when they're – An underdog versus being, like, the home team or the team that's, you know.
2: So they need to lose enough games that they stay the underdog. Yes. My biggest disappointment is the Buffalo Bills. And and honestly, this might be a season-long one. They're 4-3 and right now. You just lost to the Patriots, who looked like a dead football team coming in this week. (laughs) Wasn't that just classic by Belichick, though? It was. Classic. It was. Yeah. But even then, like, the week before, you easily could have lost to the Giants.
3: And that would give them three straight losses if they would have lost that. From the Chiefs' perspective... The Chiefs need the Bills to win the AFC East, I think. Why? Because if the Dolphins win the AFC East, or if they have like a one or two seed, whatever, and they get to play the playoffs at home Mm. in Miami versus having to go on the road to, you know, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Baltimore, Kansas City in cold weather, that would be bad. Well, here's your solution. Just have a better record than the Dolphins. Well, no, I agree. No, I, I get what you're saying, but like, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's I, I know better. It's better if the Dolphins are the wild card. They're not built to be a cold weather team. Correct. Yes. It's
2: better if the Dolphins are the wild card. Well, it's going to be tough for the Bills right now. I don't know. Did London did that break them having to travel to London? Lost the Jags there. The London Jags. They haven't looked good since then. They've had some bad injuries, so it's not all they're doing, but yeah. yeah Matt Milano injury is pretty
3: brutal. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough for them.
2: And the defense giving up 29 to a, a sputtering offense. Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have been a lot lower, worse than you would think. What is the best yeah. ho hum win?
3: It's got to be Seattle, right? I mean, first of all, how many people were watching the Seattle Seahawks?
2: Not many. Take on the I think they were like minus three in turnovers too, and yet they still won by ten points, like easily <laughs> like, winning.
3: Like, like how many people were actually watching? You had to be a real sicko, I think. Yeah, you know, I certainly to watch wasn't. that game uh, because it was a sicko game, <laughs> and uh, they got the win. So good job, Seahawks. On, the, on to the next
2: one. I'm gonna take a Baltimore Ravens. I I know. Um, on See, I don't want to call this a home win though because they just absolutely destroyed them. Yeah, like like to on, me a home paper- win is like
3: it's like a oh who was watching like whatever type win. But like people were watching. I feel like the Ravens game, people were watching because it was a blowout of, of a good team. I just think of home because it's like
2: you didn't obviously have to sweat it out. But it's like I I don't know who else I would even take. Like the Bears beating the Raiders. Okay, who cares? You know what I mean. <laughs> Like what else is a ho hum win from the week? Um I don't think there's another I mean, one. The, <laughs> the Jaguars. That wasn't the a ho hum win. Football? They need a touchdown with like two minutes left to win.
3: Okay, fine, fine. I don't know, man.
2: I mean Ravens just Honestly, blasted all at the, the lines. games
3: were pretty close this week. Yeah, they were besides the Bears and the Ravens and the uh Yeah. I was like and like the it.
2: Bears, I can't even say that was a great ho hum win because uh, they're tanking. They need the losses, you know? And the Raiders <laughs> are not it was good. a bad ho hum win. Yeah. It was bad. So give me Baltimore. I mean, you, you blew out another opponent. It was a game you didn't really have to stress in the second half. Boom. Uh, who's your week two MVP? Well, on that note, I mean, I, I'm going to give it to Lamar Jackson.
3: 300, over 350 yards passing, three touchdowns. The best he's ever looked in the Ravens' new offense since they've installed it. Uh, and listen, this always happens every year. You get to this time of year. And it's like, okay, the Ravens, man, I don't know. I don't know, man. You look at the Ravens. And then they, they eventually they kind of fade a little bit. And then, they, you know, that's just how it goes. But from like, I'm telling you, dude, like the next, for the next month, the Ravens are going to be one of those teams that people are like, sneaky best team in the league, mm-hmm. I think. And it starts right now.
2: So I'll go with Lamar Jackson on offense. I'm going to go with, I, I don't know. Do I take Patrick Mahomes or do I take Travis Kelsey? Mahomes was, was insane. He was, but so was Kelsey. <laughs> Who is more valuable? See, this is what sucks. Like, Travis well, if, Kelsey. if you're going to take Kelsey, you have to take
3: Kelsey plus Taylor Swift. I know, because. Because when Kelsey's left to his own devices, he's uh, an average tight
2: end. Okay, how about this then? Uh, Taylor Swift is the MVP because th- there was the stat they flashed. Travis yeah. Kelsey's left numbers. Left to his own devices. Is, yes. Is not as good. With Taylor Swift in attendance. Correct. Is putting up. Like he already is putting up good numbers either way. But the numbers are going up significantly with her in attendance. Yeah. And hypothetically, if it's making his performance better, his numbers better, that's also making Patrick Mahomes' numbers better and Patrick Mahomes better. Uh yes. So it's like a it's like a flow chart. And the source of the flow chart is Taylor Swift showing up to games. Correct. So she's MVP. So she's gotta be that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna pick Kelsey, you either have to pick Kelsey plus Swift or just pick Taylor. No, if I pick Taylor Swift, I get the 424 passing yards, the four touchdowns, and I get the 12 catches for 179. Okay. Combo. Greatest player of all time.
3: Okay.
2: My um, defensive MVP is Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett did unthinkable things to the Indianapolis yeah, I didn't Colts. Even, I couldn't
3: even think of anybody else. I just went with
2: Miles yep. Garrett also. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, blocked kick. He's yep. probably a favorite right now to win defensive MVP. I don't know. There's a lot of good even players. TJ right Watt got absolutely screwed yes. multiple times. Do Gardner Minshew. Kind of good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think they're good. Gardner Minshew? I don't know. I think they're good. I think Pittsburgh is low-key <laughs> kind of good. I,
3: I feel gross saying it. Mm-hmm. I feel gross even uttering that sentence. That the Kenny Pickett's-led Pittsburgh Steelers might be potentially, possibly. What's another good P word?
2: Uh, I don't know. Good. I don't know. Well, okay, this week will be a good test. They play the Jaguars.
3: Mm, that is a good test.
2: If the Jags win, they're 6-2 and low-key. Steelers win. They're five and two. Well, one of these you, teams is going to be a low-key something and two. Well, l- lucky for you, the other team that I wrote down
3: as a possible, I think they're a good team, <laughs>
2: is the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think whoever wins that game, you're officially declaring is good.
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: 100%. Who loses is 100%. maybe good? Potentially. Mark? Yeah, okay. possibly.
3: Dude, potentially, possibly. There's no other good P words mm-hmm. for that. That's terrible.
2: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh was a good answer. If I'm going to give a different one, I'm going to go with Cleveland. No. Cleveland's four and two. No. The offense is not good. Although they put up 39 <laughs> points against the Colts. Um, I don't think the Colts' defense is anything special, though. But, I mean, 4-2, and two, they have the best defense in football right now. If... Mm, I don't know. I think the Browns are good enough that they can win a playoff game. So I think that's good. That's okay. how much I, I believe in the defense. Wow. Defense is okay. really good.
3: Wow. The AFC North is going to have three teams in the playoffs. I feel pretty confident saying that. Yeah.
2: Could they get four? I, I, no. I don't think so. No. Because the Dolphins. the Bills and Dolphins, yeah. But, like, but I mean, it's not impossible. That with the Chargers sucking. Could you imagine if the seven seed comes down to the Bills or the Bengals and then the Chiefs have to play one of them in the first round if they get the one seed? And no, in the first round? No, because wouldn't they have a bye? They would have a bye. I meant, like, the Chiefs' first game. If they, if, but if they, they'd have to beat. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like yeah, if okay. the Bills or Bengals beat the two seed, then all of a sudden yep. you're playing one of them in the first round. of uh, Your that'd first round. Annoying. Your first game. Yeah, yeah the division be round. That, that, would, that be would be annoying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I please. guess it's not possible.
3: I guess it's not impossible. That's no, it's not. I think about it.
2: Uh, I think they suck. <laughs> I think a lot of teams
3: suck. I think the Packers suck. I think, the, I think the Raiders suck. Mm. I think Washington might suck. <laughs> uh, I think the Cardinals suck. I think the Rams
2: suck. I'm going with the Chargers. I think uh, the Chargers might suck. Well, that's what's weird. Usually, the Chargers, even when they lose games and stuff, like at least Justin Herbert and the Chargers show out for the Chiefs game. Like they play them close, and then they'll lose in overtime. Like it was, they lose their, by three. That
3: game was their Super Bowl, and yeah. Justin Herbert was bad.
2: And now, like you said, Justin Herbert didn't have a great. I mean, he had he had a couple good drives in the first half. Which he's on my fantasy team, so I I I like that the Chargers suck but I would like for Justin Herbert to still get some fantasy points didn't go great zero points in the second half couple interceptions for him Chargers did not do oh, I'm well. aware I'm aware of how and that game could have been worse if if Blake Bell doesn't fumble I forget if there's in any yeah, red dude, zone or like a
3: yard or two crap, out. dude by the way I, t- I mentioned this yesterday this weekend collectively between college football and the NFL the worst weekend for officiating I think ever literally ever I don't know
2: that's a high bar
3: dude are you dude go or go down the bar. list. Go down the list of all the terrible, terrible, terrible calls that happened between Saturday and Sunday. It's insane. Worst weekend officiating, I think. Okay. Clearly.
2: By far. What is your top three for top three, bottom three?
3: Top three is Chiefs, Chiefs, and Chiefs. Oh. Bottom three is Broncos. Uh, Well, no, they won, though. No, bottom three is Panthers last. Oh, gosh. Uh, I guess Cardinals second to last. And then, I don't know, Raiders, I guess. Mm. I don't know. the Broncos won. I don't want to put them. Raiders beat the Broncos I, though earlier yeah. this year. Yeah, so maybe I should put Broncos. I don't know. Do I put the Packers?
2: A lot of two really win put the teams. Bears. Packers, Titans, Chargers, oh, Giants. Okay, Bears. hang on, hang on. I forgot you beat about the Titans. I forgot Patriots about the Titans. and the Broncos. Yeah, Titans. Okay, Titans,
3: Cardinals, Panthers. Okay. Top is Chiefs, Chiefs, and Chiefs. So, I have uh, talked about
2: this before. Whoever I give number one is cursed. Well, who did you give one last week? So, I gave number one. Um, did you give it to the did I'm you trying to think to the what Dolphins? the start of this was. Number one, I first gave to the Dolphins. And they lost to the Bills. Yep, uh, by Pretty handedly. And then you gave it to the Bills, and they lost. They lost to uh, the Jags. Yep. Then I gave it to the, the Eagles, 49ers. Eagles. No, I gave it to the Eagles. You're right. And they lost to the Jets. Oh, they lost to the Jets. Then I gave it to the Lions last week. Oh. And they lost by a billion to the Ravens. <laughs> wow. So it's wow. cursed who I give number one to. Okay. So I, I don't so think who, I should give it to the Chiefs. Who, I don't want to. Who do
3: who'd we prefer that loses then besides the Chiefs?
2: Well let's just go with the Eagles. They're six and one. Coming off okay. a win against the Dolphins by fourteen, they're That's impressive. The, yeah. Only losses to the Jets in a close game. I mean, the Chiefs could have lost a close game to the Jets too. Yeah. I'll go the Eagles, number Maybe one. Maybe
3: the Jets are sneaky. I think they're good.
2: Yeah, they might be. Uh, so I'll go Chiefs two. I was gonna go 49ers, three till last night happened. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, because I think got, I of think that, Ravens. Yeah, I think Ravens is the right call. Yeah, Ravens in at number three. There we go. And then bottom three, I'll go Carolina last, Arizona second to last. Which I really didn't want to get Arizona there because I know, still feel like they're feisty. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I agree. But it's like, but there's oh so many two win teams. They only have the one. And then number 30, I'm going to go the New York Giants when Daniel Jones starts. I hate when you do that. When you do this stupid stuff where it's like, oh, yeah. we'll win this and this. It's true. When Daniel Jones starts, they might actually be. No, actually, you know, I'm going to switch it up. 30 is Arizona. 31 is the Giants with. No, but they beat with Daniel Jones. Okay, Yeah, yeah. they literally well, came the right back order. and beat that's the That's the right order. Okay. 30 is the Giants with Daniel Jones. Because remember the, the Cardinals Arizona.
3: owner called down to Jonathan Gannon at halftime and said, Hey,
2: we're supposed to, we lose. to lose. Yeah, Stop winning. That's our NFL recap for the week of Week 7. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our college football crackdown next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. And joined now by Kevin Flaherty. 24-7 sports. You can give a follow on Twitter at KFlaherty247. I'm going to talk some uh, KU football, Big 12 football with Kevin. We've got our Big 12 trade of the week, and we'll get to our local prospect of the week here. Uh, Kevin, first things first, KU takes on Oklahoma this Saturday. What to you is maybe the most intriguing part of this matchup or, I don't know, a player matchup, position matchup, just just something that you think will most determine who ends up on top on Saturday?
1: Well, I think you know. On one hand, the easiest thing to say is, "Will Jalen Daniels play?" You know, it's you know, I think Lance Lappold is being a little bit cagey here in terms of you know saying, "Hey, I'm optimistic," as Nick has pointed out, but also saying in the in the same exact sentence, you know, but at the same time, right now, he'd be doubtful. You know, right? That's that's uh, mixed messaging over the course of about 14 characters or, or 14 words. And so I I think that's a big part of it. But to be honest with you, the biggest part is just, is Kansas going to be able to run the ball? I I think that's whether it's Jalen, whether it's Jason Bean, the biggest thing that's going to tell you, Hey, Kansas has a shot at this thing or they don't is whether they're able to run the ball. And you look at, you know against Texas you know they were able to hit on a couple big plays but weren't able to run the ball consistently and you look at the Oklahoma state game and i feel like Oklahoma state kind of almost dared them a little bit and said you know what we're going to we're going to take away your running game and you know maybe you throw for for 500 yards and you wind up beating us but we think that we think that you're going to come up player too short and that was what happened and i think that Specifically in this game, you look at one of the things that Oklahoma brings to bear that that's you know arguably the biggest thing that could cause Kansas trouble. It's that tempo and and getting the play count up and and wind up keeping the defense out there for prolonged periods of time. And so if Kansas is able to run the ball and keep it to where the defense is getting breaks and staying off the field, the defense can get the odd stop here and there. I think this game changes significantly versus even if Kansas had Jalen Daniels, they can't run the ball, and you're looking at a situation where Jalen has to be, you know, almost perfect for Kansas to pull that game out.
2: Yeah, so I mean, how realistic is that? How realistic is is all those things going right for KU to beat Oklahoma? Like, are you giving them a real shot to win this game?
1: Yeah, I think there's a shot there. It's just Kansas needs to execute, and I know that. You know, every football coach listening to this is sitting up and nodding and grunting, probably. And, <laughs> and your average person is gotta do it on like all three phases, lotful. Kevin. All three well, yeah, phases. Well, 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 obviously, you know, you, you need complimentary football, right. and you know, but, but you know, in terms of running the ball, you know, Kansas's offensive line has had some moments this year where. They haven't just been solid, Derek. They've been spectacular. When you look at the other team knowing that Kansas wants to run the ball, putting guys in spots where they're saying, You're not we're not going to let you run the ball and can you being able to run the ball anyway? And when you look at the way that Kansas played against Oklahoma State, I think You know they struggled to block all the guys that that Oklahoma State had in the box. I think Oklahoma State runs really well, and so they were able to get to some of the outside runs uh, and and cause some issues there. And, And I also think, quite frankly, you know there weren't a ton of holes there. But I also think when you're getting bottled up and bottled up and bottled up, you you have a tendency to miss some of the holes that are there. And so I do think for Kansas to run the ball it needs to execute the way that it did against illinois when you had that great defensive line you know and kansas was able to go in with the game plan and say this is where our bread is going to be buttered and and that was exactly what they did and in the second half against byu you know they were able to switch things up and and run the ball there as well i think kansas needs to really execute up front in this game, and it's something that they're capable of doing, but the flip side of that is is now they have to go out there and do it.
2: Talking with Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 sports. Uh, it still feels like Texas and Oklahoma pretty clearly the top two, even though, I don't know, maybe some warts were shown on Saturday. Maybe you just chalk it up to... You know, you're not going to have every game be perfect in college football, especially on the on the road. In the case of Texas, although I don't know with Q yours injury, that that becomes an interesting conversation. Nonetheless, uh, who do you is the third best team in the Big Twelve?
1: Oh gosh, can I say other? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's tough because it, it changes by the week, and, yeah. I, and I think you know as much as Oklahoma State fans are all of a sudden saying it's us, it's us. I, I think that you know. Kansas State was pretty flat in that game, and Avery Johnson didn't really play in that game. And when you look at the Kansas game, you know, Kansas made a lot of mistakes where Kansas could have won that game even with Jason Bean at quarterback and without access to Jalen Daniels. And so I'm not saying that Oklahoma State hasn't rebounded because I think it's obvious that that they have, and I think they've really found something in Ollie Gordon, and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Kansas State all of a sudden has found a lot of confidence since they've been kind of rotating through Avery Johnson and playing to his strengths, and so they're kind of in that discussion, and as crazy as it sounds, you know, from earlier this year, Iowa State is playing with a lot of confidence, and I think Kansas is in that discussion as well, and so I think you kind of have four teams buying it out for that number three spot right now, it's just the question of you know, hey, this week is it Kansas and then Kansas State and then Oklahoma State or this week is it Iowa State, and then Oklahoma State. I, I think that it really does change by the week in terms of how these uh, how these teams are playing, which of course with like Kansas State and Iowa State still left on the Kansas schedule, it, it's going to make for some interesting games down the stretch.
2: Yeah, it really will, and I think the flip side to that is it almost feels like the middle of the conference is just one giant amoeba where everybody is just kind of clustered together, and it's it's just kind of that week being like, okay who's the home team, who's has most injuries, who's going to get the right breaks this week, and I guess that's not all that different from the Big 12 the past couple of years that uh, we've talked a lot about it coming down to one-score games and everything, but it feels even more so this year, and even more clustered, and maybe that's just because there's more teams in it, uh, but I guess the flip side of that is is who's I, I don't know, maybe maybe the obvious answer for who's the worst team in the conference at this point is Cincinnati. Who would be the second worst team? What, what would you answer for that? Who is the second worst team in the Big 12?
1: Oh gosh, that's... Uh... <laughs> That no uh, one might be I, even harder. I would, say, I would say right now I think there is an answer, and I think that it's because the circumstances out of their control. I think it's Texas Tech. Uh, I think when you look at Texas Tech, you know, having a, a true freshman playing a quarterback with the mistakes that, that they're kind of making right now, obviously you don't go into a season thinking that, hey, our our true freshman quarterback is our number three guy we're going to wind up starting this guy in some big games this year. You you don't ever think that, but you know, with, with the injuries to Shuck and, and Baron Morton, you know, I, I think Texas tech has really hit a, a hard roadblock there just because they, they don't have access to their number one signal callers. And so if you're saying, Hey, who's the, who's the best team in the big 12, you know, who's maybe playing the worst and, we talked about this last year. Oklahoma State wasn't the worst team in the Big Twelve last year. They went to a bowl game, obviously, but the second half of the season, Oklahoma State might have been the worst team in the Big Twelve. And I think Texas Tech, you're kind of seeing that right now, where maybe they had a little bit of bad luck early on in some results, but now with the injuries that they have, with the quarterback stuff and everything that they have, you know, it's just kind of really piled up, and they aren't having the uh, the season that you would expect.
2: All right, uh, how, how much does the Quinn Ewers injury affect things for Texas? Like, what are we talking here? Uh, are, are you a believer in Arch Manning and, and Murphy? Do, do you think they could still, I don't know, win out, make the college football playoff, all those sorts of things? Or how big of an impact do you think the Quinn Ewers injury could have on, on Texas in the race for the Big 12 title game?
1: It, it's big because I think Quinn Ewers is playing a really good, really efficient, quarterback and I think when you look at some of the things that he was doing you know one of the things that, that kind of stood out to me against Kansas was he ran for that first touchdown right like it wasn't nobody is going out there and saying my god like watch out Quinn viewers is going to break long touchdown runs but he saw it was there and he, and he took it and I think When you look at Malik Murphy, he's got as much arm talent as just about anybody. I mean, if you've seen this kid throw the ball, I mean, he can have it coming out of guy's chest like the alien in those movies. (laughs) But, I mean, he he can absolutely pepper the football, and I think he's going to get the first chance, you know, to kind of hold down that spot before things wind up going to to Arch Manning. But I do think that it's a big deal, and especially with them – playing against teams like Kansas State that, you know, K-State is really playing with a lot of confidence offensively right now. There are some games where Texas is going to need that offense to put up points. It's not just a straight, hey, let's hand the ball to, to Jonathan Brooks and, and win a lot of games, you know, 21-14. to 14. They're, they're going to have to put up some points in these games. And so I think Murphy is capable of it. Obviously, they've got a ton of skill position talent, which uh, – which helps, but he's he's going to have to do it because, like I said, viewers last year I think showed all kinds of physical ability but didn't get the little things right. And I think this year, for the most part, he was getting the little things right, and so that's going to be an adjustment for them.
2: I appreciate the, uh, I guess, sci-fi Halloween type of movie reference <laughs> during uh, the month of October here. Okay, so, so given that injury and how it could possibly affect Texas, obviously you still have Oklahoma undefeated and everything. But we've seen a, a, a lot of contenders right now for the college football playoff, whether you're looking at what Ohio State and Michigan have done, although Michigan hasn't you know, had to, to face anybody too too tough yet, but they're they're just m- making meat of everyone. Uh, when you look at Georgia, I don't know, maybe Alabama's resurfacing back into this conversation at this point. Uh, Pac-12 has a litany of schools. Florida State, what they're doing in the ACC. If I gave you the over-under on .5 teams making it to the college football playoff from the Big 12 at this point in time, what would you take?
1: I would probably, I'd probably take the over because I, I do think that whether it's Oklahoma now having an easier road to an undefeated record, depending on what goes on with Quinn Ewers, or whether it's, Hey, Texas is going to get back to that spot and quit, get Quinn Ewers back. I do think the Big 12 will have one college football playoff team. Now it's tough because you're going to be in a situation again. It looks like last year where you had Ohio state and and Michigan both get in based on, you know, based on their only loss coming to each other. And I I think one of the really fascinating things about all of this is the, the deal that uh, the, the deal that when those first college football playoff rankings come out, there's a chance that Georgia could be third. Yeah. And, And, you know, obviously that's, that's not where you know Georgia would theoretically be if Georgia keeps keeps winning out or whatever, but based on the what each team has had to play based on the resume to this point that's that's definitely fair and I think you know when you when you look at that I, I think the PAC 12 is going to kind of continue to cannibalize itself a little bit. I, I do think that one of Texas or Oklahoma is probably going to get in. Oklahoma has to be undefeated. Obviously, Texas can't be undefeated. It already lost to Oklahoma, but I do think a one-loss Texas, in large part, because you'd see them avenge the win over Oklahoma and because they have that non-conference win at Alabama, I think it'd be awfully tough to keep that team out.
2: Well, we uh, decided to start doing this last week, or at least I did. I'm I'm forcing you to do it, so sorry for that. <laughs> uh, Big 12 trades, trades in the conference. Which team says no? Does either team say no? Here's what we came up with for this week. So TCU just got absolutely destroyed by Kansas State, 41 to three, this past Saturday. They dropped to four and four on the year. So at this point in time, you know uh, they could still make a bowl game and and do some stuff, but um, it's not going to be at a, at an extremely high level. Imani Bailey's having a really good year for them as the running back. Oklahoma, meanwhile, is obviously trying to make it to a college football playoff, win a Big 12 title. And Oklahoma's been fine on the ground so far. You know, I I think they're kind of middle of the conference in some of the different numbers, but they haven't been great on the ground, at least not as good as maybe they were last year with Eric Gray as the backfield. Um, Meanwhile, OU's basketball team is not projected to be as good as TCU's basketball team who may be looking for extra reinforcements if they're going to punt on the football season. So how about Amani Bailey from TCU goes to Oklahoma and Oklahoma sends back Milos Uzon to TCU? Does either team do it? Does neither team do it? Does one of the teams do it? Thoughts on the trade? You know,
1: I, I I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that either team does it necessarily. I think TCU is in a spot where it's really important for them to reach that bowl game because you're still early enough in the Dykes tenure. You've got enough young guys there and everything that those bowl practices are really important. Uh, I think the other thing you, you look at um, Oklahoma from a running standpoint, I'm not sure the faults are at the running back position. Like I don't think they have an Eric Gray necessarily, But I think that their bigger issues are that they're struggling to block people up front. And when you look at even beyond this year, I think, you know, you see Oklahoma bringing in potentially a bell cow running back in this recruiting class as well and Taylor Tatum. So, you know, it would be sort of a short term rental thing anyway. So I don't know that either team makes that trade.
2: Okay, so we'll try to get one with you uh, next I week. Mean, I mean,
1: Oklahoma probably would just because Oklahoma's basketball <laughs> fans don't care. Yeah, exactly. but, <laughs> I, I mean, when you look at, at the way they turn out for different games and stuff like that, they'd probably you know, swing on a lottery ticket mm-hmm. like that, but... I'm not sure either either team or athletic department would uh, would support it.
2: Yeah, and to be clear, I like to think of this as the athletic director is the one making the trade because sure. obviously, if if the AD goes to Porter Mosier and goes, "Hey, we just traded one of your best players," and he goes, "Oh, what did we get?" and he goes, "We got a football player." Porter Moser is like, "Are you serious?" So it has to be the athletic director making the trades of these. Uh, who is your who's your? Uh,
1: I, I was just going to say, yeah, real quick with with OU too. I mean, I think. You know, you're wanting to see if Porter Moser can make it or not yeah. before you head into the SEC and, and all of those different things. And you know, has a team that could be kind of a sneaky NCAA tournament contender. So, uh, I think from that standpoint, you don't want to don't want to rob Porter either because you want to have some of those answers.
2: All right, who is your local prospect of the week?
1: Yeah, we're actually going back to Wichita Northwest for another 2026. This time at. Uh, Jalen Mason, a quarterback who uh, he started at Wichita Northwest uh, before last year, uh, then transferred to Mays, where he backed up Avery Johnson last year, and now he's back at Wichita Northwest okay. uh, for his sophomore season. Uh, he's when, when you look at these classes and, and how they play out, Kansas is not a state that usually produces a lot of great quarterbacks. And, and when you Looked at, at Avery Johnson. I know there were some guys who were highly regarded, you know, after him when you, when you look at like Tyler Matthews, when you look at Blake Bell, different guys like that. But at the same time, I kind of felt like Avery Johnson was the best quarterback prospect, at least since Kerry Meyer, if not further back. And I think that if we had the scouting to do now that, or back then that we do now, that Kerry Meyer likely would have been a a four-star prospect back then. But, you know, and so that's what makes this interesting is I think Mason is going to be another quarterback who's going to wind up with power five offers out of the state of Kansas, you know, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. They've all, you know, seen him. They've all paid attention to him. And and so they're all familiar with him. I, I think he's going to be, if not the top player in the state in 2026. When you look at it, he's going to be among the top couple right now. Our number one in the state for 2026 is actually his high school teammate, uh, linebacker John Michael Fountain. And so it could be interesting to see them, you know, sort of battle back and forth for that spot. But he's he's a good athlete, you know, but he's, he's a passer first. And, and so he's one of those guys that, throws the ball really well but can use his legs to to get more time and extend plays and, and he's a he's a smart kid and so i think that when you look a year or two from now this is a guy that that you could see start to pile up those those power 5 offers if they don't start piling up this offseason even though he's just a 2026 20,
2: he is kevin Flaherty. you can check out all his work 24/7 sports kevin appreciate the time as always man have a great rest of your day
1: all right.
2: Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Kevin Flaherty, 24 7 Sports with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. KU awaits the decision on Jalen Daniels. Will he play? Will he not play? Dun, dun, dun. Okay. You done? Done. Okay, thank Un. you. Um, the comment from Lance Leipold yesterday was that he mentioned him being somewhere between like uh, doubtful and questionable. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, and that's why I, I'm a little confused. It's a little odd, because the difference between doubtful and questionable pretty is significant. pretty significant. I agree.
3: Yeah, because again, if you're doubtful, you're like you're out, right. basically. <laughs> If you're questionable, you're gonna play. Yeah, you might have a chance to play.
2: And when I when when you see like questionable on you were mentioning fantasy football earlier, when you see one of your players is questionable, that typically means I always view it this way. It it's probably about a 50-50 coin flip. Realistically, it probably means there's somewhere between like thirty to seventy percent to play. Yeah. Well, uh, to go back to the fantasy football discussion, the issue that I have though is that because
3: they took away the probable destination, destination yeah, right. There'd be
2: a guy that's like 98% healthy. And it's question, And it would say question. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. But realistically, most questionables are like, it's a coin flip. Yeah. Most doubtfuls, I mean, I'm trying to think, the, the guys who were listed as doubtful that end up playing. It's I mean, 2%. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, in Maybe fact, less, I think I Saquon
3: know. was listed as doubtful for one of the Giants games and he, he didn't play.
2: Yeah. I think It's it's tough. It's very rare. So, like, the difference is questionable is a coin flip. Doubtful is like, no, he's he's like barring somebody but, Hey, But don't played. worry. He's optimistic. About all that. That's I don't understand. Maybe the optimism <laughs> comes from... Because this is how I'm kind of reading into it. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is the wrong way to, to read into this. I'm viewing the optimism coming from he's optimistic... For, like, The, the progress, the future. That eventually Jalen Daniels will be healthy. Yeah, that's fair. But I don't know that it's optimism about this week.
3: Yeah, I guess maybe, yeah. Just the phrasing of it made it seem like it was... Specifically about this week, but sure that could be it. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a difficult situation, and I I mean it's it's kind of exactly played out how we have described it to be, which is I think legitimately Jalen is more or less day to day, every day, <laughs> and when you're day to day every day, that means you don't know mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna play or not, uh, which sucks. And so I would suspect. That by tomorrow, internally, KU is going to probably know who the starter is going to be. Because you saw what happened against Texas when KU game planned one way and it went the other way. It, it, the, the offense struggled, right? And for as much as Andy Kolonicki wants to get up and say that, uh, you know, there's no change in the game plan, it's a, you know, plug and play, whatever, yada, 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 to me, that is crap, okay? You obviously are gonna to want to have a different game plan if it's Jalen Daniels versus Jason Bean. Because they both have different skill sets you wanna help accentuate. So I would I would think that you would want to have that game plan for whatever quarterback you think is going to start in place as quickly as possible. So to me, if Jalen Daniels is not has not been ready to play Monday, yesterday, or today, or or by tomorrow, my guess would be that it's gonna be Jason Bean. Mm-hmm. And I've maintained all along that at this point, I'm going to assume it's Jason Bean until I see number six in Crimson and Blue step on the field, because KU has gone to such great lengths about this, even to the point of, for the Missouri State game, announcing Jalen as the starter, that you can't trust anything until you see him on the field. And, and you know, I think that maybe that's what is trying to create. Maybe they are trying to create smoke and mirrors, and they're trying to do some gamesmanship and whatnot, uh, and I get why from a fan perspective that's very frustrating, but from my perspective, it's going to be, okay, I think it's going to be Jason Bean until proven otherwise.
2: And I think if, that's and the right you, way to approach it. If
3: you approach it from that way, guess what? You would be right every week. <laughs> Except for Texas, I guess. huh. And
2: well, there is a, a difference there, as we've talked about. I mean, if, if I just want to bear it down to a, one number here, as opposed to getting into the why it is different. Jalen Daniels has an 82.8 total QBR this season. That's second in the Big 12 if it were qualified. First is Dylan Gabriel. So you would have the, the top two quarterbacks in this game. Jason Bean has a about a 67. That would put him seventh. And the metric on QBR is actually supposed to be indicative of if you have this performance, this is the percentage of games that typically you win with this performance. So by Jalen Daniels having an 82.8 QBR, that's basically saying, on average, you win eighty three percent of your games as a team with this quarterback performance. Now that that's always sure. not um, right. It's gonna partially depend on how many of those come through based on your defense and like if you give if you give Jalen Daniels eighty two point eight QBR with Iowa's defense and special teams, it might be a ninety five uh, percent you win. You know, but if you give them what Kansas has been defensively, it might go down to seventy percent. Right, um, but that's a that's a sixteen percent seventeen percent difference. In a chance to win a game that I, I think uh, I was looking on one site and it had Kansas at about a thirty-five percent chance to win the game. I mean, a, a seventeen-point swing that gets you over the edge.
3: Okay, let's circle back to the to the conversation where how many game, how many more wins is Jalen Daniels worth than Jason B? Two, probably, two or between, three. Yeah. probably between one and two, right? Maybe maybe three. Two, two, But let's settle on two. Okay. Well, by the numbers of what the QBR you just listed, that makes sense, right? 16%, 17%, whatever better, right? So that checks out. So mm-hmm. that we know we know exactly, really quantifiably, what Jalen Daniels offers for KU versus Jason Bean. But that doesn't mean that Jason Bean can't go
2: out and what win games, it right? And it, I don't think it even means he can't win this game, because Jason Bean has actually played very well against Oklahoma the last two years. Now, I agree. Two years, it, it, it's not... It's it, It's not quite apples to oranges because it is yeah. still some of the same team and players, but it's also a little bit of that because two years ago it was a Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch team, and last year it was year one of Brent Venables and the defense. Last year was bad for OU. This year yeah. the defense has been really good, so it is a little yeah. bit different. But
3: yeah, against well, Oklahoma,
2: the difference between
3: those uh, that sixteen, seventeen percent that you talked about the QBR is you go back to the Oklahoma State game. You know, KU didn't score for the last didn't score a touchdown what, for the last 35 minutes of the game. So while Jalen Daniels, his, uh, I mean, we we talked about it quite a bit, it's it's the peaks and valleys for for Jason Bean that you have mm-hmm. that you don't really have as much with Jalen Daniels.
2: You don't. But this uh, is what he did against OU in uh, 2021. That was a game they nearly won. 17 of 23, 246, touchdown, 14 carries for 59 yards. It was a really good game. Kansas was down 28-23, and then the Caleb Williams play happened, and they ended up winning 35-23. Otherwise, KU would have had the ball down five with three minutes left on the OU side of the field. Last year, you go into Norman, 52-42. The final score, 16-27, 265, four touchdowns, two picks, 10 carries for 41 yards. And you're right, there are those little plays over the course of the game, whether it's the two interceptions, one of them which was his fault, one of them which was just a great play by the defender. If you remember, the OU game was also the one last year that he uh, had the play where it was like a third and ten, and he slides a yard short of the stick instead of – he he definitely gets the first down if he takes the hit. Yeah. But we've seen Jason Bean now in, in other games this season
3: be more aggressive mm-hmm. and be willing to take hits. So I think he's maybe evolved a little bit beyond that. Uh, it's just what, what boggles my mind and what's so frustrating about Jason Bean is some of his best games have come when collectively everybody else for KU has struggled. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go back to the Oklahoma state game. It was, would you say the Oklahoma state game was the worst game of the season for the KU defense? Yeah.
2: I think, I think it's Probably fair. by far. Right? You could argue Texas. The but, Texas game, they didn't really play that bad. Right. The only way you'd argue they just Texas got wore down. is by they had one more point and some more yards. But Oki State still had like 550. Five and Oki State's offense way worse than Texas. And you were opportunistic. No, think about that. against Texas. Yeah. And
3: Dan, Jason Bean's best game mm-hmm. came when the defense had their worst game. And when you had your worst
2: running game as a team, too. Yes. And you go back. And probably your worst special teams game. So exactly. So literally, KU had their worst everything exactly. around Jason Bean last game. And you go back to yeah.
3: last season. You Go back to last season. Look at the games where Jason Bean played really well. That KU had other outside factors that negatively impacted them, mm-hmm. right? So that that's just I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't even know what to make of that. The <laughs> fact that s- somehow there's this weird correlation between Jason Bean having playing really really well and KU struggling in other areas that hurt. Them.
2: Yeah, and maybe there's something to be said about, well, part of the reason your running game wasn't as good, maybe the, the quarterback's making wrong checks at the line, or maybe they're missing certain reads on, on option plays, and maybe that's hindering you a bit in the option. game. I and I think that's understandable. That doesn't make up for the defense or the special teams or every running play, though, because there are right. still some running plays that aren't read stuff. It's just yes, hand the ball off, just right? straight HB dive, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't have the answer to that, but you're right. I I mean, you go back I, to last season. You look, at, you look at the Oklahoma
3: game last season. For Jason Bean. You look at the TCU game for Jason Bean. You look at even like the even like the Texas Tech game. That was a ended up being a pretty good game for Jason Bean, I think. I mean he's he when he plays well, it just doesn't work mm-hmm.
2: for the rest of the team <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. That's a good point. And I think uh like there is a prerequisite. There is a you must be this tall to ride the ride in this game in terms of Jason Bean does have to hit a certain level. Jason Bean does have to play a certain amount of good for yes. you to win this game. There's no doubt. You can't get away with a bad Jason Bean game to win this game. But kind of what you're saying, it does make me wonder if we're overblowing this conversation because the way that Kansas beats Oklahoma, like I said, once you hit a certain threshold of how well Jason Bean plays in this game, there's only so much ceiling there. There's only so much leeway that it just becomes about, did you get a good enough game for Jason Bean and do everything else well? Yeah. To win, If you want to beat Oklahoma... Your defense has to play well, special teams has to play well, you have to run the football well. And then yep. there's the prerequisite of Jason Mean has to play well. But like But like if Galen Daniels was starting, we would be saying Jalen Daniels has to play well. Yeah, exactly. So so maybe the conversation about who the quarterback is 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 a little less prevalent I mean, than you I might think, think in
3: this game. I think the I think where you could where I would push back on that and say maybe you, you could have more of a conversation is just the fact that with Galen Daniels We've seen it. He has that it factor. He has that X factor, right? So if this is a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter and KU gets the ball, maybe that's where Jalen having Jalen Daniels pushes you more over the top than versus having Jason Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. I don't know. But other, but other than that, I agree with you, right? We, I mean, the talking points would be the exact same between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean. You need you need your quarterback to play well if you're going to beat a, a top, top 10 team, top 5 team, right? So if Jalen Daniels or, or if Jason Bean plays well, then that then you need everything else you need other factors to go well as well right but jason bean can easily go win this game i think for for ku against oklahoma easily if he plays well and everything else comes together for i mean look what happened for ku against ucf when they were firing on all cylinders if, and every other every other aspect of the game jason bean was hardly even needed so if you can do that have a game like that plus Jason Bean plays well. You can beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. By the way, Kansas, their their point differential at, at the
2: at the booth, it's really good. It's really good. They've been really good at home. They've been the a lot. I mean, it's significant how much better they've been at home on the road. Not, yeah. I don't know that that's all that unusual in college football. It's hard to win on the road. But it's been pretty significant. I mean, think about them on the road. You only yeah. beat Nevada by seven. That's a team you were expected Possibly to the blow out. the
3: worst team in FBS.
2: Yeah. Hey, they did get a win this last weekend, though. Beat San Diego State. Six-nothing. Oh, really? Wow. That barn burn. What? Yeah. Dude, It was like the, the late-night game, yeah. Dude, I would take a, walk, a long walk off a short pier if I had to watch that. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, you have that game. You have the Texas game. And you have Oklahoma State. Yeah. It's not been, uh, been... This is why I've
3: yeah. been saying that I don't think KU's gonna gonna win going to go in on eight. the road. I think Cincinnati's bad enough that KU should be able to still win that one, but... but it's also senior I mean, day. Probably going to be cold What last if KU goes seven and five... And it's, they win all seven of their home games and lose all five of the road games.
2: Well, they already have the one with Nevada. Oh, your true. point is yeah, is banked true. in. That could absolutely happen. Okay, I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. So do you, are you giving them a real shot to beat Oklahoma if it's Jason Bean? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know that I'm going to pick Would them? you pick them if it was Jalen Daniels?
3: Mm, I think that would depend. I think if Jalen Daniels has been playing the whole season, probably yes. But the fact that Jalen Daniels has not played, if KU comes out on Friday or whatever and says Jalen Daniels is going to start, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that that makes me pick KU instantly. I don't know if I don't know that that's instantly a KU pick if Jalen Daniels is going to start.
2: By the way, this will be like a Udoka Big Twelve tournament stat uh, if Jalen Daniels doesn't play on Saturday, which it feels like that's the way this is going. Jalen will have never started and finished a game against OU. He did start his true freshman year against OU. That was the game he no, got hurt. A 62-9 game. Yeah, where he got sacked like nine <laughs> times. he got sacked times. like 20 times. Yeah. He'll never have started and finished to this point because he missed the last two years. Yeah. So, very interesting. Yeah. I, I The way I view it, I'd probably be picking Oklahoma either way. I'm just very yeah. high on the Sooners. Like, Dylan Gabriel's been awesome. The receivers was kind of a question coming into the air, but they've been pretty good. They've um, been very balanced. Yeah. You
3: know, I think – you know, you look at like a Oklahoma of old or Oklahoma even like you go back to last year, normally it's they had that one guy. Right. They haven't they don't have that one guy, but they haven't needed him. They've had instead of having that one guy, they have those four guys.
2: Drake Stoops, baby. And the defense has been really good. Like you look at a lot of the numbers, I mean, Yeah. Number first really thing 12 in yeah. Every game, yeah. So from that standpoint, I'd probably be taking OU regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah,
3: because I think if you're KU, your your offensive strategy whether it's Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, is probably going to be ball control and running mm-hmm.
2: the ball. So right. and that that goes back to my idea of like I think the difference between Jason Bean playing a B minus and a B plus game, I don't really think it has that big of a difference on the outcome of the game for KU. Now there is a difference agree. if he plays a C game versus an A game, of course there is, but you know a C plus to an A minus even I I don't know like it, it it's it's just going to be about just Kansas run the ball well and play good enough defense and special teams like like those are the biggest things to me honestly in this game. Uh, But we'll see if it is Jalen Daniels that does lower your margin for error and does increase your chance of winning by some number. What number? I don't know. Either way, you have your hands full with Oklahoma and need to do a lot of things well if you want to pull the upset. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN.